Welcome to Bank of Singapore Unplugged. As we celebrate the early days of 2023, uh, many of you may be contemplating how to best go about investing, and perhaps many of us also wish we had the luxury of foresight when it comes to predicting market movements and the key growth drivers that will impact capital allocation. And with the investment landscape getting more and more complex, our goal today is to highlight for you the opportunities on the horizon. So we're very pleased to have for our opening keynote address, Professor Kishore Mablubani, the Distinguished Fellow at the Asia Research Institute at the National University of Singapore. In his keynote today, Professor Mablubani will be sharing his outlook for the global and Asian economies going into 2023, and what are some of the dominant macro trends that will impact investors. And of course, whether or not the 21st century will still be the Asian century. Let's give it up for Professor Kishore Mablubani, ladies and gentlemen. We live in a complex and uncertain world. I guess my task today is to try to explain to you why it's such a complex and uncertain world that we face today. And I bet you that most of you, especially when you watch the news, are confused about the world. And by the way, if you're not confused, something is wrong with you. Because I, the reason I say that is that it's important for us to understand that the reason why we are confused is that we are living through sort of two sets of fundamental changes. Firstly, over the long-term horizon, it's important for us to understand that in our time, especially the past 20, 30 years, and I think this coming 20, 30 years, we are seeing some of the biggest structural shifts in human history. Now, handling one or two, we <laughs> the problem handling three at the same time is a fundamental change. And at the same time, we are also experiencing, over the short-term horizon, major shocks. And that combination explains why the world is such a confusing place and why, frankly, even most of the experts are lost when they speak about our world. So what I'll do in the 10 to 15 remark, 10 to 15 minutes assigned to me is to, one, number one, talk about the three long-term shifts that are happening. First, and of course, Yvonne said, is this still the Asian century? Well, it is. <laughs> it is because we are seeing the end of the era of Western domination of world history. And that's a fundamental structural shift because the West has dominated the world for the past 200 years. That domination is disappearing. But there's a reluctance by the West to accept this. And if you think I'm exaggerating it, just look at one simple fact. The fastest growing economies in the world are going to be in Asia, and yet the world's dominant financial institutions 
The West insists that the head of the IMF must be a European, the head of the World Bank must be an American, and Asians who make up 4 billion people don't qualify. Now, that's an example of a reluctance to accept a structural shift, right? The second the long-term thing that we are happening is that we are seeing the biggest geopolitical contest ever seen in human history. As you know, there's a huge geopolitical contest has broken up between the United States and China. And frankly, the scale of such a contest has never been seen because they've never had two powers as powerful as the United States and China contending with each other. And the only prediction I can make with great certainty is that over the next 10 years, this contest will gain momentum because the United States realizes it has only about 10 years to stop China from becoming number one. Because when, if and when China becomes number one, things change fundamentally. And it's a perfectly natural impulse on the part of China, to, on the part of the United States to say, we've got to stop China. And as you know, the United States today is so bitterly divided politically. The Republicans and Democrats cannot agree on anything except it's time to stand up to China. So that's a long-term trend. And then thirdly, we are also moving from what used to be a bipolar world in the Cold War towards a unipolar world at the end of the Cold War and now to a multipolar world where there are more and more actors on the world stage and all of them are emerging. You know, whether it's India, whether it's Turkey, whether it's Brazil, they're all coming out and saying, we need to be heard too. And I can tell you, one result of that, you'll notice that my first point was that is the end of the era of Western domination of world history. Well, in the past, if the United States and Europe said, we've got to do X, we've got to impose sanctions on Russia, the whole world would agree. Guess what? 85% of the world's population has not imposed sanctions on Russia. 85%. That's the end of the era of Western domination. So these are the long-term trends. And then you've got to inject the short-term uncertainties. And the only way to capture uncertainties is to describe them as paradoxes. And there are three big paradoxes that the world is living with, right? The first, on the part of the US-China contest, which is the driving geopolitical contest of our time. You know, recently, uh, Joe Biden and Xi Jinping met for the first time since Joe Biden was elected in Bali. 
in November. And the, the result was a paradoxical one. On the one hand, everything changed. On the other hand, nothing changed. And this is, this is true. It's true because on the one hand, everything changed because for the first time, China and US were talking to each other in several years. And I can tell you, I happened to be in Jakarta, a few, in, in Bali, sorry, a few days before the meeting, and President Jokowi of Indonesia invited me to breakfast. And at the breakfast meeting, President Jokowi and I were discussing what should be the outcome of the G20 leaders meeting. And I told President Jokowi that if you can arrange a good meeting between Joe Biden and Xi Jinping, the world will be very grateful to you. And he said, don't worry. I've chosen the nicest room in Bali for their meeting. And sure enough, they had, frankly, from all accounts, a very positive encounter. And one short-term positive benefit is that I can tell you last year, especially after Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, there was a real fear of a war across the Taiwan Straits. That fear has diminished significantly after the Xi-Biden meeting. So in that sense, wow, everything changed. But on the other hand, nothing changed. Because I can tell you, as you saw, the United States has started first a trade war against China. It'll continue. It has started a technology war against China. It will continue. You've seen the CHIPS Act. More will follow. So, as I said, this is the paradox. Everything changed. Nothing changed. Second paradox. We all know that the most peaceful continent on planet Earth is Europe. Right? Within the European Union is the only place in the world where you can be absolutely certain that there's zero prospect of war between any two European Union member states. Now that's the highest peak of human civilization if you can say no danger of war. So what's the paradox? The biggest war of our time, the Ukraine war, is being fueled and supported by the European Union, as you know, together with the United States. That's a paradox. The most peaceful corner of Earth fighting the biggest war. And what's even stranger is that if this war was happening in Asia, the Europeans would say, how uncivilized these Asians are, killing each other, not even talking about peace. Guess what? Who's killing each other and who's not talking about peace? Ukraine. And I can tell you, quite amazingly, none of us can predict when the Ukraine war will end and how it will end. Nobody knows. Can you see? 
Isn't that a great paradox? And thirdly, the third and final paradox, right? We all live within ASEAN, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. Now, you all read the news about the European Union, about the United States, how big, how they're changing the world. Fundamentally, you read so little about ASEAN. And paradoxically, I must emphasize, even though ASEAN is a weak organization, often an incompetent organization, but yet it is producing spectacular results that nobody knows about. Let me just mention three. One, as I said, the European Union should be the most peaceful place in the world. It isn't. ASEAN is creating peace in our neighborhood, in a much more dangerous neighborhood than no interstate wars happening. Secondly, the ASEAN region itself keeps growing. And so, in the year 2000, Japan's economy was eight times bigger than ASEAN. Today, it's only about 1.5 times bigger. And by 2030, ASEAN will be bigger than Japan. A fundamental shift. And then thirdly, if you ask the question, who has contributed more to global economic growth over the last 10 years? Was it the $15 trillion European Union or the $3 trillion ASEAN? ASEAN, the answer should be the $15 trillion European Union. Wrong answer. ASEAN contributed more to global economic prosperity. So the good news for us is that a region that is so underrated by the world and by us is turning out to be one of the most promising regions. And I can tell you, since the theme today is opportunities, I'm going to tell you that if you're going to look for future opportunities, look for the new CIA. Now, CIA doesn't stand for Central Intelligence Agency. CIA stands for China, India, and ASEAN. And if you focus on China, India, and ASEAN, you will write the growth wave. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Bank of Singapore.